podcast listener named Ian writes in to ask this, Pastor John, like many Christians, as part of scripture, I have always struggled with the Canaanite genocide. I feel like I understand why God commanded Israel to cleanse the land of pagan influence to protect them from the potential idolatries. But my question is this, when we see ISIS and other terrorist organizations essentially doing the same thing for what they consider to be the same reason, purging the land of infidels by the command of God, how can Christians take the moral high ground and condemn this modern genocide? It's interesting. I've been thinking about that question recently, thinking I've got to write a blog about this because it seems so not only relevant, but increasingly relevant on to the end of the age. I just think this kind of question is going to be uh, imperative to answer. So I'm glad I've been pushed a little bit to, to think about it some more. So first, let's clarify. There are similarities and dissimilarities between what ISIS is doing and what Joshua, as they entered the Promised Land, did. A couple of similarities. Both killed people, even in horrible ways, men, women, and children. There's no sense in trying to whitewash what happened there. Uh, God told Joshua to clean house on the Canaanites. Number two, both believed that they were killing people who ought to be killed and whom God had commanded them to kill. Ian said in his, in his question uh, that one reason God ordained this through Joshua was to protect them from idolatry. That's true, but that's not what made it just and right. What made it just was that these nations had sinned against God for so long and so deeply. God said to Abraham, the key verse, Genesis 15, 16, that the Jews would come back from Israel and they would perform his judgment. And here's what he said. They shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. In other words, God was timing his judgment on the peoples of the land at a point where it would be perfectly right and just for him to work a horrific judgment because of the fullness of their sins. And God warned Israel not to think that God's punishment was owing to Jewish righteousness but rather was owing to pagan wickedness. And the key text there is Deuteronomy 9.4. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you, not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart, are you going in to possess the land? But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So today, we look back and we approve of God's right to punish the wicked, and in those days, to use a human instrument namely Joshua and his armies, the Jews, to carry out his kingship over the land and his right to punish. That was God's way in that day. However, that's not his way 
today. So we need to consider two massive differences between ISIS killing today and what Joshua did in that day and would not do today. So this is my answer to the question, how do we take the moral high ground here? So two differences. Number one, ISIS does not serve the true God. Joshua did. We know that ISIS does not serve the true God because Jesus has come into the world from God as the Son of God and the Messiah, and he has made himself the litmus test for who truly knows God and loves God and worships God. For example, John 5.42, I know that you do not have the love of God within you, for I have come in my Father's name and you don't receive me. Anybody who does not receive Jesus as the Son of God does not love God. John 5.42. John 5.23, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Therefore, Isis, not honoring the Son of God, does not know and honor God. John 8, 19, if you knew me, you would know my Father. They didn't know him. Isis doesn't know Jesus for who he really is. They reject him for who he really is, and therefore they don't know the Father. John 8, 42, if God were your Father, you would love me. Isis does not have God as their Father because they don't love the Jesus of the Bible. 1 John 5, 12, whoever does not have the Son does not have life. ISIS doesn't have eternal life. They're lost. They're perishing because they don't have the Son of God. All these texts mean that whoever does not have love and honor and know and have the Son of God as their Savior, as their Lord, as God, does not love, does not know, does not worship, does not honor, does not have the true God. Therefore, Isis does not serve the true God because they do not serve Jesus Christ as their Savior and their God. They do not have the moral high ground. They occupy the low ground of treason against the God of heaven. That's the first difference. Joshua served the true God. Isis doesn't serve the true God. God. Second difference, and the first one uh, leads to it. Joshua was performing God's will then in a way that would not be God's will now. That was then, this is now, and Isis is failing to make that distinction as though The way Joshua acted before the coming of the Son of God is the way it is appropriate to act after the coming of the Son of God. But the the New Testament makes crystal clear, with the coming of Christ, massive changes entered the world uh, in the way God deals with the world. And I'll just mention two. There's there's lots more, but these are the ones most most relevant for, for ISIS and the difference that ISIS has from what God calls us to be and to do today. They don't take either of these into account. Number one, God no longer works through a people who are a political state or an ethnic entity to perform his kingdom-spreading, saving work. In the days of Joshua, God was the king over an ethnic people, Israel who had a political identity as a state among other political states. 
That is not the way God works in the world since the coming of Jesus. And here's a key text, Matthew 21, 43. I tell you, Jesus is talking, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, Israel, and given to a people producing its fruits. In the context, that means God is no longer dealing with Israel as the embodiment, ethnically and politically, of his kingdom on the earth. He's giving it to a people who produce its fruits, namely the church of Jesus Christ. And since God works through his spirit, by his word, in a people called the church, they have no status as a political state, and they have no singular ethnic identity. That's the new way that has come about since the coming of Jesus. God does no longer work as a king exerting immediate authority over a people gathered as a political state or as a single ethnic identity. And here's the second big difference in the change, and this is probably the most decisive. Since Christ came, the kingdom of God is not now of this world and does not spread by the sword or the bullet or the bomb. And the key text is John 18, 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, it's wrong, it's sinful today to use violence and force and coercion to try to spread the faith in Jesus Christ, faith in Christ, the Son of God. That's the mark. Faith is the mark of God's people, and it cannot be coerced by sword or bullet or bomb. No force will be used in establishing God's kingdom on the earth until King Jesus steps out. When he appears on the clouds, he alone will have the right to bring the punishment that he now will give. And he will make clear that he has the sovereign rights and he will destroy all his enemies. But until then, Christians die to spread the gospel. We do not kill to spread the gospel. And if Obama orders a destructive strike against ISIS militarily with a bomb, it's not because they are Muslims and have a faith, a particular sign. It's because they're murderers. It's not in the service of compelling faith, like Western faith is going to be spread by the dropping of a bomb. That's not at all. Christian faith is not Western. It's not spread by dropping bombs. The dropping of that bomb is not the spreading of a faith. It's the preventing of the destruction of life and the removal of the possibility of any faith, Muslim or Christian. So, we approve of God's rights to punish sin the way he did through Joshua. But we do not approve of anything like that today because Messiah has come and put the advance of his kingdom on a different footing of gospel proclamation. Amen. And he's coming back. Thank you, Pastor John. Uh, what an end to this week. We will return on Monday to try and reconcile two passages that seem to be in tension. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.3 and Matthew 7.21. Some of you know just how perplexing these passages are to try and put together. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Have a wonderful weekend.